Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 15. I invite you to join with me in your Bible or your Bible app or the Pew Bible in front of you. But again, it's Matthew 10, verses 1 through 15. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and he gave them the authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Canaan, and Judas Iscariot, the one who would betray him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not take a road leading to the Gentiles. Do not enter a Samaritan town but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin disease, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics, or sandals, or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy, and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious Lord, we gather here this morning to worship and to praise you, to spend some time in your tabernacle, to sing your praises, to offer our petitions, to celebrate the sacrament, to give thanks for what you have given us, and to hear your word read and proclaimed. And while we are gathered here, we pray, O Lord, with earnest ears that you would speak, for your servants are listening. And as you speak, may we hear your words and embed them deep in our souls so that we would leave this time together, not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So for many years now, I've been studying this concept of leadership, uh, all parts about it. I've learned where I can, I've been read a lot of books, have examined it, have gleaned various theories and practices. And lately what I've been trying to do is I look upon a bookshelf after bookshelf of books. I mean, books are my friends in some ways, 
but I have too many. And so I'm thinking about maybe trimming down my leadership books and thinking like, what are the bare essence of all these books? What have I learned that really matters to me, that really sort of fits, if you will? What works best? And two of them that come to mind, one of them is this idea that a leader's job is to develop his or her people. The second one is that an effective organization, that effective organizations, they build for the future, whether it's coaching or teaching the roles of superiors to subordinates, aka also known as middle managers, learning what senior managers do, so that at one point in time when there is a leadership transition, there's already a succession plan in place. I've been thinking about those two things, and there have been pages filled on this and books written all about just these two points alone. But this week, as I was reading this text, these two principles came to mind. So I read this text and thought about what truly is the heart of a disciple. These two principles come in mind because in a lot of ways, that's maybe what Jesus is doing with the disciples. So let's look at this story a little bit. What happens in here, Jesus has been on his journey with the disciples. If we start at the beginning of Matthew, as he began his ministry, it started with the Sermon on the Mount. But then there were the healing miracles. There was Jesus talking about the cost of discipleship. And along the way, he sort of builds out his team. He rounds out the twelve. And so when we get to in today's text, he calls the twelve all around him. And Matthew makes it a point to name them all. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he gathers the 12 around them and then he gives them their mission. He tells them what they are to do. And this, my friends, this is a powerful moment because as he's been gathering the 12, as he's been roaming the countryside of Israel and building his team out, he's been preparing them for this very moment. He's been mentoring them and sees them as sort of protégés He's prepared them to carry on his legacy. He knows the rest of the story. They don't have a clue yet. So it's at this moment with them gathered around that he commissions them and he sends them forward. But my friends, make no mistake about it. It's in this moment that there's a catch because he's not just talking to the 12. He's talking to all followers of Jesus Christ. To all of the disciples, all the way down through history to you and to me. Jesus is very intentional as he teaches. And he kind of gets to the nature, and if we pay attention, what we begin to realize is that part of the heart of a disciple is to be purposeful, to be just as intentional as Jesus is. I think that's the lesson for us to glean from this text today, that the heart of a disciple is one that is purposeful. And as we begin to unpack this text, we're going to see that that becomes more and more evident. So let's start talking about who he's talking to at the beginning here. He's got the 12 around him, right? And then there's important, Jesus was very intentional about who he called to be his disciples, very intentional about the number, the number 12 
First of all, in basic group dynamics, 12 is a good number. I mean, here's an example. If you're trying to put together a committee of people, you get any larger than 12 and it gets to be kind of wonky. There's a, in our denomination right now, there's a committee of people. I'll tell you about this in a minute. There's a committee of people that they are studying ways that the, the United Methodist Church outside of the U.S. and the United Methodist Church inside the U.S., better ways for them to work together to do ministry in our contexts. It's a committee of 42. I'm curious if they'll get anything done. See, 12 is the right number, but Jesus picked 12, not because of group dynamic theory, but he picked 12 because it's emblematic of the 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, what Jesus is doing is reminding us that this is godly stuff, that this is real, that there is a purpose behind it, that God is in the mix. So he's very intentional about the number, but then look at them. Look at the 12. Now, Matthew lists them all out, wants to make sure we know who they are. So you've got Peter and Andrew and James and John and Philip, and they're all what? They're fishermen. And then there's Matthew. He's a tax collector. And then there's Judas. Really, all we know about Judas from the text is that he's the one that's going to betray Jesus. And then there's the other five. I mean, there's Thomas. There's James, there's Thaddeus, Simon the Lesser, Bartholomew. What do we know about them? Absolutely nothing. The text doesn't tell us anything about them. Matthew doesn't tell us. All we know is that five are fishermen, that one is a tax collector, one's going to betray Jesus, and the five others are just called. There's really nothing special about these 12, is there? There's nothing special about them. They are everyday, ordinary people just like you and me. And I think the lesson here is if they are called by God to follow, then anyone is called by God to follow, and anyone can be commissioned to ministry, then you don't have to be some sort of superhero, that you don't have to have any special power. I mean, you think about this, we think about sometimes looking through this course of human history and we think about sort of the saints and the martyrs and the misfits and sort of the superhumans or the superheroes of the Christian faith that have done these amazing things. When we get down to it, they're just everyday people, just like the 12, just like you and me. I mean, you got Dorothy Day who started the Catholic Worker Movement or William Booth who was a Methodist minister that then started the Salvation Army. Or Teresa of Calcutta. Or Billy Graham or Clarence Jordan who started Koinonia Farms. Or Tex Evans who started the Appalachia Service Project. Millard Fuller who started Habitat for Humanity. Isaac Watts who wrote tremendous hymns. All these are people that we sort of put on a pedestal, right? But they started out their lives just like United Everyday People. I mean, Billy Graham was a dairy farmer's son. Nothing special about him in the beginning. But if that's not enough, let's think about it in our own lives. Think about who influenced you, who has led you to faith, who has taught you what matters most. Was it a Sunday school teacher? Was it a youth counselor? Was it a coach? Was it a shepherd in confirmation? Were they some kind of superhero as well? Or were they just like you and me?
They put their pants on the same way, one leg at a time. They say the same frustrations that we feel sometimes. See, what we begin to realize is that just like the 12, just like the people that I named are these superheroes, whoever influenced us, what was the key to it all? They were purposeful in their faith and they were purposeful in how they shared their faith with others. And so my friends, that leaves us with this. That if they can do it, if the 12 can do it, if everyone can do it, then we can do it too. And that includes us, that we can be purposeful in growing in our faith, but purposeful in sharing our faith. As we begin to get that sort of concept wrapped around in our arms and our heads, that, that all of us, this is possible for all of us. Now let's look at what Jesus calls them to do. In verses 5 through 8, Jesus says, go to the lost sheep, preach the good news, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin disease, cast out demons. But we turn the pages back. Now Jesus has told the 12 to do this, but we turn and flip back several pages, several chapters in Matthew. What happens? We see Jesus doing what? Going to the lost sheep, preaching the good news, curing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing those who had skin disease, casting out demons. See, he's done all of these himself. He has paved the way for us. He's shown us how to do it. And he gives the 12 the authority to do that as well. And so the challenge becomes, go and do as I have done. Now, oftentimes when we think about church, when we think about how great it is coming in the door today, people are talking about, oh my gosh, the crowd's back. It's so good to see us. This is one of the largest crowds we have. And it is, and it's good to see you all. We'll be here next week as well. Um, and the week after and so forth. But... We get thinking about this idea of church is only valid if we're full of numbers. And that's great. But let's remember the word church, is, is a two, it's, it's got two sides to it. There is the physical side, there's a location right where we are right now in the building, the, the sort of physical plant, and then there is the community aspect. That's all of us as we're in church, being church. So when we think about the church as sort of the physical sense, the church is an equipping station. It's where the saints, it's where the faithful come and we are equipped to go out in the world in ministry. It's a place of healing where we come in from a week where we've been wounded and worn out and hurt and grieving and we come for care in this place, in this hour. But my brothers and sisters, we are the church it's not just a place, it's us. It's in our hearts. And so we are called to go. So what Jesus is talking about when he says to them, he says to go and to preach and to healing, these are words about going to a world that is hurting. Now think about sort of the duality of these words, church as a location and church us as the people. I think about that cliche that ships are safe in the harbor, but that's not where they're meant to stay. Friends, we are safe in this place. This is a great place. We can march to Zion and we can sing to the heavens and we can pray and we can laugh and we can, uh, we can be amazed at a child who soaks up his baptism. But we are not called to stay in this place. We are called to go outside of this place, out into a world that needs us. See, faithfulness and discipleship is easy in this place. But my friends, that's not what we are meant to do. That's not our lot in life to be just in this place.
We must be purposeful. We must go out into a world that needs to hear the gospel, a world that is grieving, a world that is floundering, a world that is lost, people that are seeking a purpose. They want to know, what am I supposed to do with my life? That's who we're supposed to go to. So a few minutes ago, I asked you to think about who were the people that formed you, that led you on this journey to bring you to this place physically, this place collectively, communally. Who are the ones, those ordinary people that witness faith for you? Now I want you to think about who do you know outside of this place that needs what we have found in this place? My friends, purposefully, that's our mission field this week. That's where we're supposed to go. That's what we're supposed to do. See, when we get this together, we sort of pull all this together. There's one final thought. This is about a calling for me. This is about a calling for us. See, just like the disciples, if they can do it, if anyone can do it, if anyone can say, follow me, then we have said it as well. And we receive the same commission to go and to preach and to care and to cure and to clean and to cast out. This too is our calling. Very much so. That we are to go to preach and to act out our faith each and every day. We think about the words that we say. It's not just what we say, but it's also how we say it. It's both the tone and the content. Do we tell people that they matter when we talk to them? Do we speak in love when we talk to them? Even when we have to say the hard things, do we speak the truth in love? Do we preach the good news sometimes with words, but mostly by the way we live our lives and the way we treat the world around us? Are our actions, words, things of comfort? Do we feed people? Do we heal people? Do we care for people? Do we show compassion? Do people know the gospel message by the way you and I live? outside the walls of this sanctuary? Do we go and sit with people in their hour of need? Even when we don't know what to say, we just sit with them and be present with them. Do we help them put one foot in front of the other when their life has fallen completely apart so that they can carry on? See, friends, if we are called to leave the harbor, we'll begin to realize that faith practice is not just one hour, one day a week, or one hour, one day a month, one hour, once a year. No, it's a daily, it's a constant. We are called to practice our faith Monday through Sunday, 24-7. The world doesn't care how much we know, they just want to know that we care about them. So as I think about this text, I think about Jesus who, you can see Jesus, maybe if you looked at a leadership book, Jesus as CEO, that's kind of, it's a catchy title, but I don't know that it works. Jesus as king, no, that that gets us almost there, but Jesus as Lord, see, Jesus as Lord lived, he modeled this kingdom living for us, showed us what it was to be like. Very purposeful, intentional in the way that he lived, very purposeful in the calling and the teaching of the disciples and the way he deployed the 12. Here's the secret. This story that I just read out of Matthew, he does this, right? He tells them, I commission you to go forth 
and to preach, to go into the lost sheep, to cure, to raise, to seek them out. Friends, 2,000 years later, we have inherited their legacy because they did just that and they inspired generation after generation. And here we are, right here, right now, the 21st century, on March the 26th, 2023. And someone in our lives have answered that same call. They left the safety of the tabernacle, the safety of the harbor, and they taught us and they shared with us the same faith that Jesus was sharing with those disciples. And friends, now it's our turn. My brothers and sisters, it is our turn. If they can do it, so can we. If they can preach and heal the world, so can we. And so my challenge for us this week is that we go out into the world and that we do that. That we are very intentional, very purposeful in our discipleship to preach the good news and to bring healing to a world that desperately needs it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.